Okay, so tonight we are going to um, continue looking at preparing for the future. So it's kind of the, uh, it's be the third installment of that, looking at just from a biblical stewardship standpoint, just looking to how do we, be, uh, how do we prepare as, as faithful stewards? And, you know, we've, we've got a lot, uh, we've covered a lot of territory as far as how not to prepare um, and then how to prepare. Last week we looked at some examples uh, from uh, the Bible, um, various lessons. I uh, won't review that tonight, but that lesson is online if, if you did not uh, hear that lesson. So tonight I want to continue what we started last week in looking at practical ways to prepare for the for future evil, future difficult times, um, that would uh, endanger your financial future or family or it kind of bleeds into some other things. So a lot of this, a lot of this is just uh, going to be practical stuff. You've probably heard it before, uh, much of it anyway. And uh, it, it's how you flesh this out is really up to you. So these are not, a lot of this is not biblically mandated is what I'm saying. These are recommendations, things that uh, I've heard for many Many years, um, and, uh, and the sources that I read and studied for this uh, glean from there as well. So, um, we'll just start into that. So, uh, this, this, so, uh, what are some wise and practical ways to prepare for future evil or future difficult times? So, uh, just kind of running through a pretty standard list, at least initially, and that is uh, think through health insurance. So, um, you know, that's some of you, especially if you're middle aged and older, think. Uh, you, Take that for granted that everybody's got it, but sometimes we don't have it. So I just want to mention it that you need to have something. And I know healthcare, medical insurance can be very expensive, um, but if it's you know if you can't do health insurance, find something. Go to a Christian, uh, one of these Christian healthcare sharing ministries. They're much more affordably priced. Uh, you don't uh, end up paying for things you don't need, and you don't end up paying for things you don't agree with and are immoral. Uh, so um, we use one, and they're very, uh, very effective. They do help. So again, if you, um, it's not wise to go without uh, health care, even if you're young. Um, find, you know, just because of something catastrophic could happen, and that can be really uh, as expensive as um, medical expenses are these days, that can have a huge impact on your finances if you don't have some help in place. Uh, next thing is life insurance. Um, I was told in seminary, uh, so I'll just pass that on to you, husbands, this is one practical way to love your wife. It's too cheap uh, to be without it. And I say that it's not very expensive if you look at term life insurance. So life insurance enables you to love your wife after you're dead. Okay, take care of her. Um, so hopefully, um, my, my plan is Rhonda and I die together, but um, that may not be God's plan. <laughs> um, but that may, not, that may not be God's plan. So um, love your wives, and uh, especially if you're the sole breadwinner, uh, take, take care of them. Um, how much you provide is really up to you. General guideline is 10 times your income. Right? What that does is it relieves the stress having to go out, your wife having to go out and find a job right away, um, just provides some relief for her uh, to 
be able to, to navigate that time without you. It's already going to be devastating enough for her. Um, so she should not have to be worried about finances in addition to everything else that she's going to adjust to. So especially if you have children, that way she can continue to focus on, on your children and, and take care of them. Um, and I would just say with life insurance, um, the term life insurance is the cheapest way to go. If you're going to, um, if you want to make an investment, uh, go make an investment. Don't try to make your life insurance investment. So I'm kind of puppeting what Dave Ramsey says. So if you want more, see Dave Ramsey um, or one of the other, one of the other, any, really any of the, most of the Christian counselor, financial counselors say the same thing there. And the other thing that we take for granted is just auto insurance. Um, you know, we take it for granted. It's mandatory. Some people drive without it. Um, but it's mandatory, but it's also wise, it, you know, to, to have that um, to protect you um, and to protect not only replace your car, but to protect you in the event that you accidentally hit somebody and you have to take care of, of them and some of their medical needs. Um, home insurance, again, just this is probably pretty basic stuff. But if you, if you don't have home insurance, you have a mortgage, you're forced into having home insurance. But it's a wise idea. I mean, if you weren't forced into it, it's a wise idea. If you're renting, um, renter's insurance is quite cheap and it'll protect you in the event. Um, if there's a fire, um, your landlord will rebuild the apartment, but he won't replace your stuff. So, um, you know, that protects you in the sense of in case of fire or theft. And again, it's, it's relatively inexpensive insurance. Um, and then there are other types of insurance nowadays that it may be wise for you to consider depending on your, your, um, where you're at in life. I, I think, uh, something to think through, especially if you do business online is identity theft. That's becoming a bigger and bigger issue in our country where someone steals your identity, racks up a bunch of credits and then leaves you to, to try to sort that all out. So again, that's relatively inexpensive type of insurance, um, to, uh, to provide some help in navigating that. Um, not, just, not just helping on the financial end, but they also help in straightening out uh, the mess that, um, that uh, the, the criminal gets your name into, um, helps uh, ferret all that, what's legitimate debt and what's not. Then there's also um, long-term disability insurance and long-term healthcare insurance that, that depending on your situation, may be uh, wise to, to look at doing those. Um, they say you're more likely to need long-term, some kind of long-term disability insurance than your um, life insurance. But um, it, uh, it's something to consider. Um, so, you want question, questions? Further questions about Joe? I, I mean, questions about insurance? I defer to Joe. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, you can correct me or yeah, tweak it here, there, yeah. So you have a resident expert here. So if you have a question, feel free to ask Joe. I volunteered him, so <laughs> knowing, knowing uh, how helpful he is. So uh, there are types of insurance that you should avoid. Um, I didn't check this list by Joe. Probably should have, but uh, most extended warranties on products are a waste of your money. Um, what's called dread, dread um Disease insurance, that's certain type of insurances against certain types of diseases. Um, you already have medical insurance. You already have life insurance. This is just one of those insurances that, that you don't need. 
accidental death. Um, if you have life insurance, you don't need an accidental. Sometimes it's so cheap. Like the company I worked for in Akron, accidental death insurance was just, it was like pennies almost um, every pay period for a little extra. So I did it, but you know, that was in a group. If you're going to do it on your own, it's more expensive. Um, so there's, there's things like burial and mortgage payoff insurance, those kind of things. You don't need that if you have life insurance. So your wife can pay off your mortgage with your life insurance if she wants to do that. So anyway, just, just be wary that there are not all insurances, good insurance. Um, and if you have specific questions, Joe is probably the best one to ask on that. Um, there is uh, quite a bit of helpful information on uh, websites like Dave Ramsey's website. But as I mentioned before, you kind of have to be careful. Um, you know, sometimes it's worth paying some paying for good advice so you know they're not trying to sell you something. But just be wary that some of those things on Dave Ramsey's site do cost money. So, um, Now, uh, another thing to, to mention here is just planning for your children's education. That's something that, that's coming up. So your job is to prepare your children to be productive adults. Your job isn't to pay 100% of your child's education. So if you do, that's great. Um, it is as uh, education uh, goes up and up that becomes more and more difficult so it, i th i would advise to have your child pay for at least some of their expenses so they have some skin in the game so um i my strategy because of we were in and out of ministry and um, salaries were such that we did not pay for our children's college our commitment was was always to try to help them wherever they needed help but to a large measure, they've been able to pay for most of it themselves, either with scholarship or with jobs and working. So uh, that's the strategy that we have taken. I see Elizabeth smile, saying, you know, but she feels good about having paid for most of her, most of all of her education. Uh, so anyway, every every family is different. That's how we, that, that's how it worked out for us. Um, but I know that looking at, you know, we had six children. If you just think, oh, you know, do I really... Do I had to fork out that much money for you? No, you don't. Um, don't don't let that educational dollar ticket stop you from having more children. So, um, but but you know the idea there is just to see them trained up, and that might be uh, community college, it might be a trade school. It's not always the um, you know the most expensive route at uh, the colleges. So anyway, every every child's different. You know your your children. But it's something to think through, you know, how are you going to navigate that uh, when your kids get there? So if they're young, uh, you've got some years to plan so you can start thinking that through how you're going to, how you want to navigate those times for them. So start planning. The other thing is uh, start planning for retirement. So um, I'm, I'm of the philosophy that God wants you to be working at something your entire life, um, even if you're not getting paid for it. So uh, I don't, I know there are people that that golf or fish their, their entire retirement times. And I don't think there's anything wrong with golfing or fishing when you're retired. But uh, I do think that God has something more purposeful, more intentional than just fishing and golfing for you. If you can figure out a way to fish and evangelize people while you fish for fish, there you go. You got to figure that out. Um, but there are ways there are ways to do that. But nonetheless, planning for retirement is wise. Um, now, when I was just started working as an engineer, it was just after my first wife died, and I had no appetite for like 
planning for like 30 years down the road. And so I didn't do what, what the employer tells you to do. Now they, they, they pretty much start you out with some kind of retirement planning. And I, I didn't do that. I was kind of foolish, but it was just where I was at in life, you know, um, just not really looking down the road very much at all. But the earlier you start, the better it is because of compounding interest. So all the experts say that, and it's and it's true. So start serving, start saving early, even if it's just a little bit, because that does uh, compound uh, over over the years. And as uh, um, you probably have heard, if you uh, work for an employer that matches what you give, take advantage of it. It's free money, uh, essentially free money. So even if it's fifty cents on the dollar, that's fifty cents you didn't earn, um, and it's. Just start start doing that. Start saving it. If you're self-employed, um, still start saving something. Or, you know, again, the, the, the earlier you start, the better it, it ends up uh, because of compounding interest. Uh, I know it can be difficult to plan when you're just trying to figure out how to how to budget and how to get it all, you know, in and feed the family and pay all the bills. But even if it's just a little bit, just start on a regular basis. Um, uh, getting into that. So Charlie can, if you have questions, he's probably the best one to ask uh, here regarding those kind of things within our church. Um, as far as uh, planning for retirement, uh, watch out for the so-called experts um, who want to sell you something. So again, you're looking for somebody that you want, you want to get their expert opinion, but you don't want to necessarily get somebody's expert opinion who wants to sell you something. So I'm not saying they can't be truthful if they're trying to sell you something, because they can be and often are. But you got to watch out um, that again the, for the so-called experts that have this great investment opportunity. Um, and I put the emphasis on that. You know, it's, you don't want to you don't want to necessarily look for something brand new if you're. Um, but it's, again, uh, investing is something that you seek out and you know uh, help with that. Um, and they will help you unless you're um, knowledgeable of investing and then you know more than I'm already telling you, but um, seek out the help that you need with that. And then just remembering that the diversifying reduces the risk um, of your, whether it's investment and or savings or anything like that. So, uh, you know, just looking at even some of the biblical wisdom that comes from Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 11.2 says, divide your portion to seven or even to eight. For you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. Now that doesn't mean you have to divide your you have to you don't have to diversify necessarily seven or eight times. What it what it's saying is diversify enough that that if this portion over here uh, doesn't do so well, that you have these other portions um, to to take care of uh, that 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 won't that will do okay. Ecclesiastes six eight. I mean, sorry, eleven six. Ecclesiastes eleven six says, "Sow your seed in the morning, and do not be idle in the evening." That is, do an evening and a morning sowing, for you do not know whether the morning or evening sowing will succeed, or whether both of them alike will be good. So again, sometimes you just don't know how something's going to work out, so you diversify in order to um, uh, to, to try to have the maximum opportunity for these things to to take root. Um, no pun intended with that. With the planting seeds. Um, with planning for retirement, uh, especially in our day and age, uh, you get some people that'll talk about precious metals. Um, I am no financial expert. I will just tell you what I've what I've researched out. Um, 
especially in times of inflation like like we are in now. We hear lots of talk about buying precious metals. Um, and all I can say with that is I recommend that you get lots of advice before moving into any kind of precious metals. Um, even precious metals are no guarantee of future wealth. I mentioned that some things before, but uh, I was talking to one of the one of a friend who provides some financial advising for me, and uh, he just reiterated that gold and silver won't directly pay your rent or buy you groceries. So you're going to have to convert that to a currency, and when you convert that to a currency, there's always a fee associated with that. So it, it's um, I, I think metals. Um, can be uh, helpful as maybe looking at it not so much as an investment, but as an insurance. Um, but I would say that if you don't have three to six months emergency fund in, in your account, you know, um, don't even think about metals <laughs> because you, that's just not, that's just not your, that, that doesn't need to be your priority. Your priority needs to be on, on getting three to six months of, of expenses into an emergency fund. Um, and the metals thing leave for, for leave for another day, because it is um, it is something that um, it's probably not going to make you a whole lot of money. And the way that market markets sometimes are manipulated or seemingly manipulated, you don't you don't get the price that you think you're going to get. Like times we hit, we get now, you find all these guys on the internet and send you emails and say, now it's time to buy gold, buy gold or buy silver, you know. So I'm not saying there isn't. I'm not saying there's there's some wisdom in there, but I'm just saying they they're, they're trying to make money off you. So beware uh, of that. Uh, Larry Perkett lists, lists metals as one of the worst investments you can make. So in his list of worst investments, he lists metals among them uh, for various reasons, mainly that you you lose money buying and you lose money selling. So unless there's like a big uh, increase in the price from when you bought it to when you sold it, you're not going to make a whole lot of money. And um, the friend I, I talked talked to about, I ran uh, talking to him even today, and I mentioned to him, I said, you know, with inflation, what about metals? And he, he looked at my por portfolio. There's not a lot of money in there, but respectively, but he said he looked at the portfolio and 5% of my portfolio is in what's called a gold ETF, electronically traded funds. So it's not actually physical gold, but the fund is is backed, uh, not backed, but long term, but it's traded in gold, tagged to the gold yeah. price, gold. gold futures. So um, that part of my portfolio was down by 12%. Everything else was up. So just to give you an indication. Um, now, if you hit super inflation, maybe that part goes up, but um, it wasn't something that he was recommending um, allocating more of the portfolio to that. Um, so uh, that that on on the, the investment and financial end of that. So there's there's a lot of everybody's in a separate separate individual situation. So again, if you have questions, everybody's got a little different approach, especially on the metals part. Just ask lots of questions. Uh, you know, Charlie, Eric, and then just do lots and lots of research before you make a decision on that. Again, not certainly not the uh, I would say the on the priority list of, of most people just trying to make sure that you have that three to six month emergency fund. Another practical matter is make sure you have a will. Um, I have one, but it is badly out of date and I need to get that updated. So um, uh, 
you do not want a judge to decide what happens to your children or um, to your um, belongings. Not that all judges make bad decisions, but you, you're the best one to make a decision on what happens to those resources should the Lord take you home uh, before everybody planned. So um, again, see, see Charlie. He'll help you get that, um, give you some guidance on that if you do not have that. And another thing is, if you are in a situation where you're building quite a bit of assets, either through your business or through investments, and you're going to leave a good chunk of money to your children, you need to start thinking about how to train your children. Because the last thing you want to do is drop um, a lot of money on them, and they don't know how to handle that money. So just think think through that as well with um, with you know your will. Um, and thinking through how to train them to, to handle that if they're going to inherit your business or your estate, um, you know, how do they handle that? If, you're, um, if your son or daughter is, is um, unwise and, and living a debauched life or you know they won't spend that money wisely, then you might want to do something else with that money or assign a trustee or you know, just, just think that through on, on how to help them but not give them a bunch of money to be irresponsible with. Um, the other thing is just preparing instructions for your loved one in the event the Lord takes you home. So this is just very practical, uh, you know, uh, location of your will and trust as your spouse. Or do you, you know, if, if uh, you and your spouse both die, does anybody beyond you two know where that's at, where to find it? Um, list of financial accounts um, and other important documents. Does anybody know where to find those? Um, then on to the more in the emergency planning side. So this goes beyond just the, this goes beyond the financial. So I'm kind of broadening, broadening the scope a little bit because uh, this is the best place to fit some of this in. But um, we don't have a lot of natural disasters in Ohio, but just think through which ones could affect you. So, you know, tornado, do you have a plan? Do your kids know what to do? If they're home alone, do your kids know what to do? If the tornado siren goes off, Justin says no, he's shaking his hand. 20 year, almost 20 years old, doesn't know what to do. I gotta get, gotta help him. Um, but you know things like um, ice and windstorms that could take power. You know that could knock out power. Um, or you know you do have something uh, to help with that. Or what's what would be your plan? Uh, some people have generators. Um, some do. I do not. But um, just think through how, how would you how would your family keep warm flashlights, batteries. So this is just basic preparation stuff, but it makes a big difference when that those times hit. And you know they don't happen very often. So again, check your uh, batteries, make sure they're good. Um, really just keeping your home safe. Uh, I know in our own neighborhood, there have been a lot more break-ins uh, just with homes, home robberies and things like that. So, you know, just keep, keep in mind that uh, when times get desperate, people get more desperate. So um, uh, guard, guard your family and, and take advantage of the just being safe. Um, you know, don't necessarily have to get an alarm system. You can if you want to. There's nothing wrong with that. But just, you know, doing some of the basic stuff uh, to try to keep your, your home safe and uninviting. So you want to make, make it as difficult as you possible for somebody to get in. So you really, anybody can get into your house if they really wanted to. You're just trying to make it more difficult than somebody else's. So they're going to go somewhere else. Um, 
Then the other thing is to think through medicines. Um, and I didn't know where to fit this in, so I'm throwing it in there. That you're just thinking through medicines. If there were to be some interruption in services or power or some, you know, area crisis, do you, you know, it's, you know, I'm so used to just being able to run to the pharmacy the day I need my medicine or the day after something, but kind of being more forward thinking is, is wise in these times. Um, just in case we have some short-term disruptions um, in our, in our um, community, uh, things like a first aid kit, first aid training, and even CPR training is very, very helpful. Uh, likely you'll never need it, but when you do need it, it comes in very handy. Um, the other thing I want to mention, and it's just sad that I even have to mention this, but even think through, uh, Ron's not here, but think through um, what we've seen so many times in our, uh, so many opportunities each year, it seems like, is what would you do with an, an inactive shooter type situation? Um, it's wise to think through that. So you, do you know what most people do? Nothing. Uh, they, they panic, but they panic by freezing. Um, they might hit the ground and just stay there. So that, that's what most people do. And I'll just quote here from a website I was looking at. In a study done by the FBI in 2014, it was discovered that, that most active shootings end in two minutes or less. So that's not enough time for law enforcement to arrive. So when you start hearing gunshots in places you shouldn't be hearing gunshots, understand that you don't have much time to think about what you should do. So that's why you've got to know what to do before it actually happens. Um, when any sort of emergency situation strikes, be it an active shooter or even a fire, the natural response for most people, surprisingly enough, is not to do anything. People tend to freeze up. So what should you do? Run, hide, fight in that order. Run first, right? Run to safety. Run out of where it's being. And if you're in the open, then you can't run, shouldn't run in a straight line. That's what you your mind will want you to do, but you zigzag, right? So that you are not, you're much more, um, much more difficult target to hit. If you can't run away, then you hide, preferably in a lockable room. Yeah, so if it's, if running's not an option, hide in a lockable room, turn off the lights. Um, and I didn't even think about this. Turn your cell phone to silent, right? Not to vibrate. Um, so if somebody's, hunting victims in in a building, they're going to be looking for lights on, they're going to be looking or listening for cell phones and things like that. Again, it's sad that, that you, we have to think about this, but again, just thinking about it ahead of time, the likelihood of you actually needing that information is very low, but should you need it, um, then it is uh, it's very, very helpful. So run, hide. Last one is fight. So if you can't run away and you cannot hide, then uh, fight. Don't stand there and let the person shoot you, in other words. So I'm just quoting from the same website. just says, uh, some studies have suggested that armed civilians can reduce the number of fatalities in an active shooter situation compared to situations where there are no armed civilians. But what these same studies suggest is that just having civilians armed or not quickly take action against a shooter can reduce the number of victims too. So you even if you don't plan on carrying a firearm yourself, commit to the idea that if you absolutely have to, and again, we're talking last resort here, you'll attack the active shooter quickly and devastatingly. 
So there was one video that uh, circulated this week. You might have seen it. I think it went viral of a gentleman who was standing in line at a, at a convenience store. Um, and a guy walked in and he turned around to look at him. And the guy had a gun. And, and as the guy went, went to walk by this person who was kind of standing in line, um, he walked towards him. And the, the guy with the gun lo was looking at the cash register. He didn't have his eyes on this guy. So he just stepped towards him put his hand on, on the gun and, you know, basically punched him in the face and took him down. And um, He was not anticipating that. Again, I don't recommend you do that. Um, it did work out for this gentleman. He was a former Marine, so that does help, okay? But um, just, just to say that sometimes, you, like in his situation, running or hiding with, wouldn't even have been an option. So... Um, it's it's one of those things that, um, by God's grace, uh, worked out well for him. But there are situations like that, unfortunately. Um, moving on to the next thing. So thinking about the, the specific time in which we are in now with the economics that we're seeing now. So I just want to mention that unless... Um, Unless you're not reading any news at all, you probably picked up on the energy prices are predicted to increase this winter. So, and not just by like five or ten percent. So they're they're predicting anywhere from thirty percent uh, all the way up to fifty percent of increase in energy prices to heat your home. Um, so the the prices vary. There's lots of websites talking about this, uh, but. You know, natural gas is set to go up about something like 30, 35%, maybe 40%. Um, the propane, I think, is the one that's set to increase the most, upwards of 50%. So depending on how you heat your home, the, the thing to do about that is just to consider it's still early enough that you can uh, lock in a longer-term rate. So prices have gone up some, but they haven't gone up a lot. So it, it, you may not be concerned with this, and that's okay. Um, ignore what I'm about to say. So... But uh, what um, I have done is, is actually locked in like a 30-month rate with the natural gas company and a 36-month rate with the electric company. So to do that, I had to, to raise my rate just a little bit over what I was already paying. But now it's not variable anymore. So that, and that's only the generation portion of like the electric bill. The gas bill is the whole thing, pretty much the whole thing. There's still a delivery part that, that you have to pay that sure will increase too but anyway just something to think about it's still early enough prices haven't um i didn't even know you could do this till eric was mentioning it to me so i just credit eric there uh with that with that tidbit so you can go on on the website there's uh, ohio energy ratings they'll look at uh, who your supplier is your zip code and you can go look at all that information online and compare and i, I found um, when i called them that there was even a better rate that they had verbally than what they were listing on the website. So just, just ask them what their best rate is. Um, so that's something to, to think about that maybe will help, um, you know, just buffer some of those things. So again, some are saying the inflation is transitory. If it is, you could just look at it. You might, it might end up costing you a little bit more to do this, this long-term thing. But if it's not transitory, you'll end up saving a lot of money because you've locked in for two to three years. So just something to consider. And you probably also have noticed that people are talking a lot about inflation. So uh, you've already seen it if you're buying groceries. Everything's costing more right now. 
there's there's really uh, not a lot that we can do about this. Obviously, about the prices, um, except just try to to plan ahead as much as we can and to think through your budget, realizing that more of your um, you know more of your take home pay is going to have to be allocated towards towards food. Is there something to be uh, warning about? Just to be planning about and be warned about, so you have a little extra in your finances. In other words, don't if there's expendable money left in your budget that you would go buy a, maybe a new phone with and you really don't need a new phone, hold off um, on that purchase till, till you see if you need that extra money. So it's interesting, last Friday, Twitter CEO Jack Dormsey uh, said this, he said, inflation in the US is soon gonna get considerably worse. Um, hyperinflation is going to change everything that's happening. Now he took a little flack for saying that, um, people said he's wrong and this or that, but here you got a, uh, you know, somebody that's on the liberal left saying not only is inflation going to get worse, but hyperinflation, which which is hyperinflation is when the increasing price of goods and services rises uncontrollably for a period of time. So sometimes it's just short lived. And in Weimar Germany, it was crazy. Uh, Venezuela, it's been crazy. Uh, other places of the world, um, uh, like Ni- Nigeria, it's like 16 percent or something like that. It's uh, very high, so we're seeing it all over the world. Again, there's not a whole lot we've got we can do about this. Um, you can do a little bit of planning, give yourself a little bit more uh, cushion on your budget. Uh, you can try to grow more of your own food. October in Ohio is not a great time to start that. Um, uh, there are some crops you have to uh, unless you have a greenhouse. If you have a heated greenhouse, then you can uh, then you can do your own. But anyway, just just be thinking through. Um, uh, that and um, you know just really comes down to elections have consequences so um, need to elect people who are financially responsible politicians I'm not sure too many of those exist but um, we do the best we can and another thing that just to think through is that we're talking about planning is uh, just realize that we're more and more susceptible as a as a as an economy and as a community to cyber attacks so you saw this last year in the attack on the Colonial Pipeline that shut down a lot of uh, gas pumps in, in the South for about two weeks. So it took them to, to get that uh, worked out. Uh, turns out it seems like there was some kind of insider hit, which is the way that a lot of these uh, attacks are, are working nowadays. They find somebody on the inside um, to try to help them um, have the attack be more uh, devastating. But on October 18th, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, the Environmental Protection Agency, the National Security Agency, and the FBI entered a, issued a joint advisory warning that threat actors are targeting hardware and software that support drinking water and wastewater infrastructure operations. So uh, it just it just is is escalating. So they've issued um, you know a bulletin on that. Uh, another one talked about how how one um, another. Agency has said that there's ransomware attacks going against U.S. food and agricultural organizations. So there are there are evil actors, um, terrorists, internet terrorists who are trying to just take down whatever kind of infrastructure networks they can. And unfortunately, many of these networks are vulnerable. So I'll, why am I saying this? Just just I'm just saying that there are certain networks that we depend upon every day. What would you do if that network stopped? Had a problem? You have something at home like water? Do you have enough water to, to make it a week or two? Uh, hopefully you wouldn't have to, or 
at least at least a week. Start with a week and just kind of build up from there. We're not talking about stockpiling. We're not talking about panic buying. I'm just saying there there's opportunities for these things to disrupt. Um, if there was a disruption to the credit card system or the debit system, uh, I depend upon debit to buy almost everything. Um, but if there was an interruption to that, do you have some cash to make it a few days or a week until they restore that system? Um, so those things, those are those are the kind of things to I think that are wise to to think through. Um, you know, as far as a gas pipeline, don't go home and store like a hundred <laughs> gallons of gas in your garage, please. That's a, that's an extreme. Yeah, yeah. Don't. Yeah, those are those are extreme extreme fire hazards. So do not store a lot of gasoline in your garage. So, oily rags. Yeah, not not those either. So, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, don't put them near the heater. Don't, just don't don't store them. Um, so there there there's some things that you just can't can't control. The only thing you can do is say, you know what, maybe right now is not the best time to run my tank to empty. Um, so I'll start filling up at least by quarter tank, which my wife would love because she hates it when it's uh, like lower than a quarter tank anyway. So, you know, those, those are the kind of things to, to think through. Give yourself a little bit of buffer. Um, so, and, and some are going to like say I'm understating the risk. and Oh, no, you got to have, you know. A lot more, you know, just just have that padding and and some will say, well, why are we talking about this at all in church um, as a church? I, I just think it's wise to prepare and you got to pray and ask God for wisdom on what makes sense for your family. Um, you know, not only just um, for your family, but then think you through like, how does God want you to respond as in an act of faith? Because we never want to prepare out of fear. That's not why we're talking about this. So we need to, to really... Um, Think through how we prepare in faith. So I want to I want to end tonight by talking, asking this question: How do you know if you've if you've saved too much, or are beginning to hoard? How do you know? Like how do you know when you got enough? Um, well, here's a few recommendations. Um, really, more than recommendations, because these are from God's Word. Guard your heart from the love of money, or guard your heart from trusting in money. Uh, Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, "He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf." Uh, we haven't opened our Bibles yet tonight, so open them up to Proverbs forty nine. <coughs> Proverbs forty nine. Forty nine. Oh, sorry, Psalm forty nine. No wonder you were looking at me so strangely. <laughs> Pastor, have you invented more proverbs for us? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> You're so kind to <laughs> be gracious with my faux pas. <laughs> All right, yeah, Psalm 49. All right, let's pick up at verse 5. Why should I fear in days of adversity when the iniquity of my foes surrounds me? even those who trust in their wealth and boast in the abundance of their riches. No man can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him. The redemption of his soul is costly and he should cease trying forever, that he should live on eternally and he should not undergo decay. For he sees that even wise men die 
The stupid and the senseless alike perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is that their houses are forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They have called their lands after their own names, but man in his pomp will not endure. He is like the beast that perish. This is the way of those who are foolish and of those who after them who approve their words. As sheep they are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. And their form shall be for Sheol to consume, so that they will have no habitation. But God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Do not be afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away, for his glory will not descend after him. Though while he lives, he congratulates himself, and though men praise you when you do well for yourself, he shall, not, he shall go to the generation of his fathers. They will never see the light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beast that, that perish. So a good, good uh, reminder not to put trust in uh, our, our preparations and our wealth and anything we have. It's all going to perish, you know. Warren Buffett's the 10th richest man in the world, but he's not going to take a dime with him. So uh, he's going to face God, and his money can't help him at all there. Um, probably a more passage you're more familiar with, 1 Timothy 6. So turn there, 1 Timothy 6. When we're preparing and talking about things like, like preparing, I think we have to keep these scriptures in front of us all the time. First Timothy six, uh, verse ten. First Timothy six, verse ten. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So, you know, love of money could be having a huge investment, being able to retire early. Um, being able to have your dream home in retirement, or it just could be, you know, I just need to stockpile a little more. I just need to stockpile it. whatever it is. Just that that love. You just you have to guard our hearts against that. Look at verses uh, seventeen through nineteen. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share storing up for themselves a treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Um, you know, just, just realize when you're preparing even that you may be preparing so that you can help your neighbor. You can help somebody else. It's not just about you, right? The, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So, those commands must be kept before you as you do prepare and realizing that even the things that we prepare uh, are not to be you know, held on to tightly. They're all the Lord's resources. So there may be uh, instances where we save uh, to be generous. And that's the other thing I want to say here is, is be generous. Uh, look at Ecclesiastes. Or back to the Old Testament again. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 13. I'm going to read through verse 20. Verse 13. There is a grievous evil which I have seen under the sun, 
riches being hoarded by their owner to his hurt. When those riches were lost through a bad investment and he had fathered a son, there was nothing to support him. As he had come naked from his mother's womb, so he will return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Exactly as a man is born, thus he will die. So what is the advantage to him who toils for the wind? Throughout his life, he also eats in darkness with great vexation, sickness, and anger. Here is what I have seen to be good and fitting, to eat, to drink, and enjoy oneself in all one's labor, which he toil, in which he toils under the sun during the few years of his life which God has given him, for this is his reward. Furthermore, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, he has also empowered him to eat from them and to receive his reward and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. For he will not often consider the years of his life because God keeps him occupied with the gladness of his heart. So again, with any of these, especially here, there's a lot of profound things said, but just the, the takeaway being that that um, that God uh, does not want us to hoard. Actually, you think hoarding actually helps you. The scriptures say that it's to your own harm when you begin hoarding, to your own harm. You begin to close in um, and not looking to others. So, you know, it's... It, there's an element here, guard your heart. The second element, being generous. So if you're generous and you stay generous, it'll keep you from being that hoarder. It'll keep you from, from being you know, tight fist with the resources that you have. Just, just keep yourself being a giver. It's never about you. So here I'll just uh, quote MacArthur. He says, it is possible to become obsessed with saving money. You can attempt to save at such a high level that you become a tightwad, extremely selfish and miserly, with your funds, fearing that if you don't hold tightly to every penny now, uh, he, you won't have enough to sustain your current lifestyle in the future. Such a mindset turns saving into hoarding and causes you to stop trusting your financial future to God's control, period. And that's obviously not his will, unquote. So remember why you're saving. It's not to remove anxieties. It's not to be, because you want to trust God. It's not to be independent of God. We talked how being independent of like government welfare is a, is a good goal, but never to be independent of God. That's 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 not a, a biblical financial goal. Another goal is we want to be a faithful steward for the glory of God. We want to provide for our family and provide for others. Just thinking through uh, how we can help others. Um, those at times becomes those good deeds which God has prepared beforehand. So there's times where he supplies you with more than you need so that you can be generous and share with others who, who have a need. So these things have to be kept in mind as we think about you know, saving, preparing for uh, these things that, that we've mentioned. So if we want to be a faithful steward to whom God gives eternal rewards, you must purpose um, really to not only spend your money wisely, trust God for your needs, avoid debt that we've talked about, avoid that, that dangerous amounts of debt, and prepare for the future in the ways that we've listed. And I, I know that this is not an exhaustive list. There are other ways uh, you're, you're, you probably thought of that I haven't mentioned. Uh, but the, these are these are key ones um, that um, it'd be wise to, to think through and, and how God wants you to apply that. So um, let's pray. Our Lord, we do want to be good stewards of everything you've given us. And so I just ask that you would help us to wisely prepare Lord, we don't want to just be lazy and and um, just say, well, you'll provide. 
because there's much in your word that tells us we are to work and but to prepare and the steady planning and plotting of, of the wise is was something that your word um, commends. And neither do we want to put our trust in our preparations and our wealth and our what, what you uh, provide. Uh, we want our trust to always be in you. So please help us, Lord, to keep a proper tension between these two extremes that we honor and glorify you. Help us to be people who, who do prepare so that we, we not only are prepared when troubles come, but, Lord, that we're able to, to share with, with neighbors, perhaps use this as an evangelistic opportunity with them, providing some help when they need help. Uh, recognizing, Lord, that you're, you ultimately have to provide for our needs. And we just pray, Lord, for our country. Lord, not that we would have a, an easy or a life or a, an economically uh, smooth or prosperous life. Uh, I know that those are creature comforts would be nice to have, but ultimately we pray, Lord, for our country spiritually. Pray for the progress of the gospel in this country, Lord, that the gospel would go forth, that more and more churches would become faithful to preaching the whole counsel of the word of God, preaching the gospel clearly, Lord, calling sin, sin, and calling sinners to repentance. And Lord, that your your spirit would be at work convicting people of sin. And I just pray that you would even do that here in Medina, Lord, with the many people that have heard the gospel, uh, Lord, grandparents, and parents, uh, children, grandchildren even, I just pray that you would just soften their hearts and bring many people to know you, Lord, through these uh, through the times in which we live, for your glory and, Lord, just for our joy of seeing you work. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the pulpit ministry of Medina Bible Church in Medina, Ohio. You can find church information, a complete sermon library, and other helpful materials at medinabible.org. This message is copyrighted by Medina Bible Church. All rights reserved.